I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of the Out of Spec Podcast was brought to you by Magna. Magna is a leading-edge mobility technology company for automakers, and it supplies automotive systems, assemblies, modules, and components to countless brands you've undoubtedly heard of. GM, Ford, BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and so many more. Magna has been a key player behind the scenes for decades, including pioneering some of the first reverse cameras before you had even heard of the concept. They now look to the future with fully autonomous driving systems, ADAS, and many electric car components for your EV at home. We'd like to thank our sponsors that make shows like this possible. Hey, welcome back to the Out of Spec Podcast. I have Kyle here with me and um, Zach Clapman, special guest from The Smoking Tire, and you've done work with Drive, you've done things all over the place you like m3s i mean what what else is there to know about you um, i love the relationship with m3s oh yeah 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 but um yeah i mean i, I kind of wanted to ask you know how you got your start because i think a lot of people know you know things you're currently involved in but not many people know where you came from and how you even approached cars sure um uh so I didn't come from like a car family, really. My my parents weren't really into them. And I'll make the childhood part short. Uh, but when I think, I don't know, it was just it was just in me. You know, I was like five and I drew cars and I went, got a coloring book of cars and went through the thing in one day. And then I went to car shows and um, in my community where I was where I was uh, born, it was mostly hot rod shows. They didn't really have like, there weren't JDM cars around. There weren't anything like that. So my exposure was, hot rods, muscle cars, that kind of stuff. So that's what I was into. And uh, in high school, I had a 65 Pontiac that I worked on with my friends and I was in a muscle car club. Um, and this was before I knew that the cars could turn and stop really. So eventually some of my friends moved to Volkswagens and we, and I learned that they could turn and stop. I was like, Oh, this is fun. And so I was just always like, I was just always into them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then 2009, like I graduated college in 05 and I just was hanging out in Colorado, just snowboarding and waiting tables because I didn't know 
what I wanted to do. Uh, and I just, I just kept watching car content and I kept reading car content. And I was like, I'm just going to move to LA to try to find a job in cars television. Like seriously, my description was that vague. Um, and my girlfriend, that's incredible. Time, yeah. Her dad did not like my plan. Cause he was like a very successful surgeon businessman. And he was like, so what's your plan? And I was like, a car television is just two words. That's what I got. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, his face said everything I needed to know about how he felt about me. Um, but yeah, so I moved out here and I just, very strangely, like I was looking on Craigslist because this was back when Craigslist was a little bit more legit. And I was literally looking in job listings and searched like car blog. And there was a website called Sub50 that had just been launched. And it was like an exotic car news kind of website. And they were looking for a writer. Um, and I had majored in communications in school. I was always pretty good at writing. And so I met him for coffee and um, I didn't get murdered. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like it was really strange. I mean, when I tell those people now, they're like, you found an auto blogging job on Craigslist. That's and, crazy. Yeah. And, and so I just... I started doing that. So I was doing that at night and writing about Lamborghinis I'd never driven and writing way too many words about modified like Gambalas and stuff. And so I moved out here in January of 09. And like two months later, I think Matt Farah and his business partner, Tom Morningstar, um, moved here and started the smoking tire. And I was following them because I was following Garage 419. And they put up a listing that said, hey, we're looking for writers for our website. Then so I sent him the stuff I'd written for uh, Sub Five Zero, and he liked it. And so I started writing news and whatever stories for the Smoking Tire. And then I went to a barbecue and met them, and they were like, "Well, we're doing this video thing. Do you want to help?" And I was like, "I mean, yes. I just I don't know how to do anything. I can drive okay, <laughs> and I can carry stuff. Like, but I, but but basically, the the answer I gave, which is like." the advice I would give anybody who's looking to do something is just, just start saying yes to stuff that is related to what you want to do. And, and you just keep walking forward. So I started helping out on shoots just as like a PA camera car driver. Um, and then two years after that, by the way, I don't know how long you want this story to be. So if you, no, you no, it's great. Ahead, yeah, no, um, great. so, so two years after that, Matt filmed a Ford GT that was owned by this guy named Dave Houston, who um, is a successful businessman and asked if Matt had ever thought about making a TV show. And of course, the whole plan with TST from the jump was audition for television on the Internet. So we were, we were making, you know, what we would call like pretty high quality video reviews. I mean, we'd shoot for 14 hours. They were cut together like cheap top gear. Um you know, structured voiceover, music, all those things. And so, of course, the answer was yes. And we got in touch with a producer, and that developed into something called The Car Show, which uh, aired on Speed Channel. And it was Matt, um, Dan Neal of The Wall Street Journal, uh, Adam Carolla, and John Sally. So, you know, two years after moving here, it's like we're making a car TV show with three like two household names and then dan neal who's like a household name in the car universe 
Uh, and it was it was pretty crazy. And the and show is crazy. I didn't realize it was two years after you had moved to Los Angeles, but because obviously, you know, as a fan of everything you guys have done since the early days, back from the Garage 419 days, what, what Matt was doing back then, I didn't know it was that short period of time for the car before the car show. That just seems rapid. It is. I mean, it doesn't, it's not normal. Like I think, um, you know, there are plenty of people that move out here to LA with some kind of dream and it can take a very long time. Can, I mean, look at like John Hamm. I think he didn't get famous till he was like 44 and he'd mm, been living yeah. here for 20 years. So like, that's an example of someone who came out here with a dream and it took a long time, but yeah, it was like, I don't know if it was just right place, right time, but we've been making the content. We were also really early in um, car internet video. I mean, at that time there was like VOD cars. Um, there was a lot of channels that were just showing like uh, Gumball 3000 stuff. Yep. And this was like Top Gear was still being torrented. You couldn't watch it anywhere. There wasn't <laughs> streaming car content. I think Motor Trend was around, but we were really, really early and kind of one of the first channels that was, you know, an upstart YouTube channel out of nowhere that was reviewing cars and doing, you know, what we would call high quality content. So I think we were kind of first mover advantage. And uh, yeah, it was nuts. Like the show, the show ended almost as quickly as it came about, which uh, so we had this amazing high and then this <laughs> and, just... and yeah. you know, that was a bummer. But um you know, what was exciting is when we, when the car show came about, I was still waiting tables and then I was able to, to quit that job after doing it for like nine years and just do the car thing. And when the show ended, I was like, fuck, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if you can swear on the show, but I was, like, I was very crestfallen, but um, I just made the choice. Like, I'm just going to see if I can make this work and not go back to waiting tables. So I, you know, I was writing for like six different websites at once. I had so many 1099s. I mean, it looked like I was just running a copy machine. You were hustling. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it's what, what you, you have do. to do if you're in a creative field that doesn't have a like a built-in runway. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we, I guess, uh, when, after the Speed Channel situation, I at some point, the videos on the smoking tire changed from high production quality, low volume to higher volume, lower production quality. And now you're doing a lot of these one one and two take type series. Um, that's the style of content we mostly produce, which is throw some GoPros in a car and rip. And we produce, uh, you know, a little bit more than one video a day on average. And, you know, we're just pumping, pumping, pumping across a whole bunch of different cars. It's very similar to the strategy you guys have taken, but when did you realize that was the switch you have to take to basically make YouTube happy? Um, I think it was like 2014 or 15. So we, it was after the Speed Channel situation. Oh yeah, it was a few years after we, cause so Speed Channel ended and we, we kept plugging away and then we got the job on the Drive Network, you know, making Tuned um, and, I, and then I produced uh, big muscle with Thaddeus Brown and Mike Musto. So that was peak automotive YouTube. I think, I don't think you can, go, I mean, Haggerty has got sort of a similar spirit and character now with what they're doing, but the drive back then, I don't know what it was like working for that organization. Sounds like there was a lot of drama and crazy stuff going on, but, <laughs> but just the content that came out of it was top gear quality vehicle analysis and reviews now 
accessible to everyone worldwide. I, I mean, uh, I mean, thank you because we put a lot of work into that uh, that network. You know, far more than like the the monetary value. But um, yep. yeah, it was like the right thing where. I think everyone involved in that channel was like having their dream realized of a, an opportunity to make video about cars, whether it was Musto or Pharaoh or Harris, it was just like, Oh, here's a thing. And it has a startup feel to it. It's not, it's not a motor trend, which is an institution or, or Haggerty, like to your point, you know, they do really, really great content. It's really high quality, but because video across the, across the board has become such a, important product like there's a lot of monitoring on it now you know especially yep. if you have a large company you want to make sure it's doing well what kind of shows you're gonna make with drive it was like jf or you know the people up, up top would just sit in a room and go well what car what segment do we need a show about i was like well okay we probably need a muscle car show or i think musto pitched that one like it's just what are we interested in okay let's make a show about it and then either find someone to make it or they'd make it themselves and you just kind of like honestly follow your heart. And it seemed like because we were car enthusiasts, we, we made things car enthusiasts would want to see. Yeah. And you did. And what's incredible about it is similar to the top gear thing where everyone tries to recreate it, but it always comes off as a cheap imitation, right? It just never, you know, you can see so many new startup car content channels that are like, ah, you know, that's not so great. Um, those videos can never be replicated by anyone. That whole vibe, the series, the ideas behind the shoots, the way JF produced it and shot it. I mean, it all was peak. And like maybe technology today makes it a little bit easier because some of the camera stuff and gimbals and stabilization, like an audio so much easier today than even 10 years ago. We yeah. can get close, but like, damn, that was... I just, we, even us, like when we were figuring out what, what's the best direction to take the company, we referenced a lot of the drive stuff from early on. And we're like, you know, is this our goal or what is the goal for the videos we want to make? And ultimately we decided just to take a totally different direction because you just can't replicate that. It was just, that is what it is. And there's no way you could ever recreate it. It was amazing. And it lasted far too short, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, so what's what's next? Obviously, Haggerty's got this thing going. I know there's a lot of of uh, you know monitoring on stuff like that, but it seems like they're sort of rekindling a little bit of that fire from back then. What's your impression? Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I think the people that are in charge over there, um, you know, they just know that they need to attract a new demographic. Let's say, like, because Haggerty. Haggerty, I mean, I didn't even know what they were until three years ago because I don't, I don't have a collectible car, so I didn't have collector's car insurance. And I know that they've been, sure. you know, a really strong, if not the best player in that game for a long time. But they went, okay, well, if a lot of our market are older, how do we get the Radwood crowd? How do we get people that are the next generation of um, collectors? And you're not going to do it with like, pamphlets and printed advertising so a weekly newsletter <laughs> right you know or, or just even just ads uh because because you can insure a lot of cars with other other insurance although from what i hear from like camisa and matt who were both customers before they made shows for Haggerty, like they really like the experience so i think what they do is smart they're like all right well let's hire some people and let's make some videos and i think they are putting out 
you know, a really interesting mix of stuff. And some of it's doing really well. I mean, Kamisa is just obviously hitting it out of the park all the time. <laughs> He's really very good at his job. Fire it, right it, now. it frustrates me. His attention and his drive and his knowledge. It's just like otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's doing. The, Jordan, have you seen those lucid videos that he did and the, oh, the drag racing stuff? It's pretty insane. Multiple times. Just the, I mean, the planning it out, the practical effects. Like, I love it. Yeah. I can't take enough. And like, yeah, like you said, Kyle, it's like Top Gear was magical. And then to do something else, kind of like musical cover songs, it has to be different or better. And it's mm -hmm. really hard to be better and recreate that magic so everyone else needs to be different so it's like what do you do to find your niche to separate yourself from an otherwise growingly saturated market and i always think there's room for more creators more creativity but it is becoming harder and requiring more and more push and drive and just like you were doing zach when you moved to la just like go after anything you can because who knows i mean it's so much about connections and if you don't drive and push you're not going to make connections and you're just not going to go anywhere that is such an important thing i think uh that that whole cliche pops in my head pops up in my head like every six months of like oh it's who you know out here and i think people usually say it with a negative connotation like you can't get anything done if you don't know the right people and i've just realized that like if you come out here and start doing stuff, you will meet people that do things. And then, you know, the people who are doing the things like it takes, I think a lot of people think you have to, if you want to move out here and become an actor in a year, you need to know somebody it's like, okay, that's possible. But if you come out here to be an actor and you act for six years, you will meet people that will then end up in positions of production or casting or something. And then you, then you're the person that knows the people. Like if you, if you yeah. do, Thing, you meet people that are also doing the thing and then you become someone who knows the right people it's just like 100%. you said you have to make the connections yeah that mentality can go both ways it's like you can you can be depressed because oh my gosh i need to make connections otherwise I won't get anywhere but on the other hand it's simple you just got to make connections and then you can usually get somewhere um yeah. so it's just yeah it, it's harder for like introverts and so i have, I have so much respect when i meet someone who is like clearly not a people person yet they've like very choicefully found the right people. Um, and there's people that just talk to literally everyone. Um, so it's, <laughs> there's, there's I mean, no, like, there's no textbook way to get involved and get started. And, you know, we, a lot of people reach out, I'm sure the same for you of like, you know, how do I do what you do? And then Kyle always pulls his phone out of his pocket and says, do you have a phone? That's all you need to start. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, do you have a phone? Do you see a car driving by? Just comment on it. <laughs> yep yeah if you just do the thing yeah just start doing it and youtube's free it's not like it costs money to post stuff so yeah. like uh, just start posting i mean that's to do the way we do it if it now what we've been struggling to do here in colorado strategically we moved to colorado because we're number two in the state right so like when a car comes to us that's pretty nice and spicy it will go to our main competitor and then we we get it second which is great uh in la we'd be like number 948 <laughs> so, you know, we, we came out here, didn't want to do the LA thing because there's so much concentrated competition. Uh, but what it does is it makes it hard to find the right people to join because we're not going after your traditional automotive journalist that writes, you know, a 1200 word regurgitation of a press release and then posts that on a website. You know, we want to find sort of younger, enthusiastic 
uh, content creators who will literally just go out and film at any opportunity with a phone or a GoPro or whatever, and not having amazing luck here in Colorado. We have a, we have a great team. We're super lucky to have the people we have, but we might have to expand westward mm. at uh, some point in the nearer future. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I, know, I agree. I think there's a lot of you know stuff in LA. I mean, me and Kyle were out there for like a month in November. Or I guess I was there for a month. You came and went and came. Um, yeah. But there's there's a lot that can be done, and a lot of events are there. I mean, it is. We have good you know media vehicles in Colorado, but certain spicy ones we have to travel for, which is right. usually East Coast, West Coast, or Detroit. I mean, <laughs> but um, there's. Yeah, it, it's hard to we're in that weird growing stage of we want to grow and there's there's a there's a line of like perfect growth and sometimes you can grow too fast and then you're like, oh my gosh, we're like understaffed and we don't have the capacity. And that's where to we are edit now. Edit so many videos. And there's also just like you can see the line above you and you want to grow faster and it's yeah, it's it's complicated. Well yeah, so in LA make content and then just send it to you, you know, in the mail. Uh, or you know, over the yeah. end, like, that's that's oh, yeah. exactly what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. So we just had a guy, uh, a high schooler, actually. I think he's a senior, young kid, but extremely knowledgeable. Brandon, like, knows. I mean, like, you, Zach, you know this. Like, so many journalists don't understand kilowatt, kilowatt hour, different types of electric motors, and not everything we do is EV. But that is our niche. That's how we grew. That's how we found our spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kid owns an Audi e-tron Sportback. I don't know how, but he has one. And he's like, <laughs> I want to go take it off-roading. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you want to go tear up your car for a video, like go, f- please go right ahead. And he made this awesome little off-roading video for our new overlanding channel. And it's just him by himself putting cameras around on tripods and filming him off-roading this e-tron. And I'm like, well, that's the kind of guy that we need. You know, yeah. lots of effort. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, the effort, especially, I mean, it's the old man cliche incoming, like being young is helpful because it, you're hungry, you're energetic. Um, I mean, w- like I, I came out here at the right time and, you know, with, with drive in early days of TST, like we all worked for very little money or no money. And we worked really, really hard at it because we were really excited about it. So, you know, if he's really excited, like it's exciting to go out and go, okay, I'm going to construct this video. And you don't think how long is this going to take? How complicated is this? You're just like, okay, well, what shot do I want? Like, yeah, you, you have to value and then you drive by. Like, you, yeah, yeah. Ta- your your personal time value has to be zero when you're starting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just and and honestly, that's that's the only way I think we got off the ground was Jordan and me working late nights every night. Um, what have you been driving recently? Let's talk about cars. Sure. Um, I just got back from the um, Range Rover launch. So yes, tell me uh, everything. I drove, let's see, I drove three different models, um, drove their V6 mild hybrid, and then they have uh, their Is upper model. same, that V6 mild hybrid, the P400, right? Yeah, P400. That's the same that's in the Defender. Okay. And then yeah. they also have a twin turbo V8 that's from BMW. Yeah, 4.4 liter right out of the BMW family, It you know, which feels great. Like, it feels like a twin turbo V8. Um mm-hmm. It was smooth and powerful and all those things. Like nothing was surprising to me. I'm honestly more excited about in 2024, they're revealing their EV Range Rover, which just makes tons of sense because luxury cars, I mean, since the beginning have basically been trying to get as much power and torque and without any noise, like 
that's what they wanted. They wanted super quiet, big speed. And obviously we know that electric motors are perfect for that. Um, I mean, the Range Rover is, it's a Range Rover. It is extremely nice. The new design, I, th I think is really quite beautiful. Um, I think the back is especially really nice. Just the way they've evolved the design is really good. The Do front the taillights look weird when they're off because they look black almost. Right. So that's some new technology finish that they are very proud of. Basically, it's meant to do that. It's meant to look like it's just a black panel. And then when someone hits the brakes or if they turn the taillights on, uh, you know, it illuminates underneath that, which I thought I thought was cool. I just thought it was it's like the smallest taillight I've ever seen in my life. It's very thin, <laughs> but I really like what that does to the design, because at one point in my life, I wanted to be a car designer, but I thought of that way too late and I had no art background. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm the perfect critic, right? I have none of the skills, but I have all the attitude and the opinion. <laughs> um, but I Welcome just think of the club. Good. Yeah. And then yeah. I mean, the interior is another good step forward. I, I remember the days when all the Range Rovers had like nothing but green gauges and screens inside. Yes. And this was like early 2000s. And L322 I was, I generation. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, get why these are so nice because to me it looks so monochromatic and boring. Okay. Yeah. There are lots of functions, but yeah. just aesthetically, like I was, a, I was a valet at the time and I remember driving an Audi, which had a much prettier interior with, you know, the blue and red and chrome, chrome dials and different surrounds. And then I'd get in a Range Rover and be like, it's just green. Like I get right. it. <laughs> so that is not a problem. I mean, the, the new one is really, really nice and they're trying to move it up market. So you know, they used, they used to top out like in the upper 100s. And then one of the specs I drove, which was the SV long wheelbase is like $270,000. Yeah, big boy. <laughs> yeah. And they I think they just saw what Urus and Bentega and Cullinan got away with. And they were like, hold on, we can sell a truck for how much? Yeah. There's <laughs> enough rich people that'll buy these things over sticker too. Yeah. They're like, that's all, all you know, luxury SUVs are all game. What's happening over here? Yeah. And so they... <laughs> they really push the price up. I mean, it, it drives, um, it drives pretty well. I did have a problem with the 23 inch wheels, a bunch of the models, like the first edition and the SV come with 23s, which are one gigantic, Yep. Uh, but really over, over really bumpy pavement. Like you have the problem you have with low profile tires, which is like the tire almost dances and skips yep. across the pavement. You start doing this thing. A hundred percent. You start yep. doing that. It just, it just skitters around and it feels like a cobblestone road. It, it doesn't have the planted glide that I felt in the Alpina X7 or you get from like a really good luxury car or honestly that you get from Magride, like Magride 4.0. Yeah. So it didn't waft. It did not waft. And it, I think it really is Ooh. just a prop of the tire, not yeah. so much damping in the spring. Did you drive the plug-in hybrid at all? Uh, no, that's coming out in, I think a couple of months. They said it's going to be a 2023 model year. We only had the 2022s. Yeah. Got it. Very but that's interesting. 50 miles of range roughly. And yeah, it just makes fast sense. Charging, big battery. I mean, like don't ever use a fast charger with your Range Rover. That's annoying. Just like plugging it at home. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, that would be, that's a good Colorado car actually to have, you know, full size, big body range with, plug in, do all your commuting, battery electric, and then have no concerns about going into the mountains with combustion. Yeah. They'll sell a bucket of them. And, uh, and now they, now they have a seven seater for the first yep. time. So it's just going to be 
even more popular than they already were. Yeah, but we've been specking them out. They have such weird options lists where you can't spec like the good Meridian sound system, like the Max one, on the plug-in hybrid. Because you really? have to get an autobiography to get the good one, and you can't get an autobiography plug-in hybrid. So dumb. I did not yeah. know that. I, I configured one car, and it was it was just like the you know big V8 motor, British Racing Green short wheelbase, but um, very nice short wheelbase. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like the the rear steer they implemented is great because it's invisible. I mean, really? What do you mean by that? So uh, the best rearing rear steer systems are ones where you don't notice them. It just make like all of a sudden the car has a really, really tight turning radius yes. or it feels really, really stable, right? So this one has a turning radius about the same as a Civic Si and it's a much, much larger car than that. But what I mean by invisible is uh, when I was driving a Ferrari Lusso, GT4 Lusso, like, I don't know, four years ago, I was not going fast. I was going medium speed on like a, you know, second kind of third gear corner and it felt like the back was drifting every corner. Every time I odd swinging sensation. Exactly. It's there, there's an unnatural amount of movement in the back of the car that yep. feels exactly like you're sliding on a tiny bit of ice. And it was doing it every corner. And it was just the rear steering system, I think, was steering more than felt natural. And there's so much attention that needs to be paid to tuning these systems. Porsche is very good at it. Range Rover did yep. a really good job. So what you want, at least you what driven I want. Have EQS with rear steering, 10 degrees? No, we have an EQS at the shop. I've not driven it yet. Okay. It's wild. 10 degrees, wow. That's, that is it's, a lot. You, it, it does have this very swinging sensation. People people look at it when you're steering and think, is your car broken? Like we've had people tell us something's wrong because the rear wheels are literally doing 10 degrees, which, yeah, is not normal. Wow. I mean, it helps for parking lots, but oh, it's, yeah. it's just it's, it's, it still it's sucks weird. for parallel. <laughs> oh every time you're like back into a spot and you're like i want to turn left like i'm in a parking lot right if you yeah. put steering lock in the rear swings so you have to put it in like snow chains mode or just kind of like inch yourself off the curb <laughs> and then put lock in wow i have never parallel parked a car with rear steer and now i absolutely need to it's that a mind interesting bending experience Yes. Oh, strange. God, they're going to have to have like a software update that's like parallel park mode where it just holds the, the rear fixed. So you can, it, the EQS has snow chain mode that shuts off rear steer. Right, but, but I think, think to do that. no like one's going to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. how do you like the EQS? I, I've sat in one when it was stationary with John, Johnny Lieberman, lots of screens, and yeah. I've looked at the outside, which I would prefer to not do it again. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, brutal. What, um, do you, what do you guys think of it as a technological like, project yeah technologically very good actually i mean they're not using the most advanced 800 volt system but actually the car wouldn't really benefit from a higher voltage system because the only benefit they would have would be higher charge rate the car is already pretty efficient they use a six pole rear motor i think it's the only production vehicle that uses uh, a six winding motor which is really interesting so that's more efficiency you're having the amount of current you need on each motor there's no cogging no torque ripple pretty insane at low speed like zach you know when you like park a, a an ev on like a really steep hill and you inch forward and you get this low rumbling sound and it almost feels like the motors are like tunk 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 and that's essentially what's happening none of that in the eqs so it's truly silent which is pretty amazing um is, is, that, is that ripple a function of like i guess what is it a function of 
What yeah, I mean, it sense? gets pretty complicated. It depends if it's an induction motor or a permanent magnet motor, of course, but essentially it's just not a smooth transition of the rotor inside of the stator. It's mm. power trying to move the thing. And it, a lot of it comes down to inverter control as well, because inverters are either MOSFET or IBGT or IGBTs, and they're just on off, on off. And so you're switching uh, at, I don't know how many you know Hertz you're moving this. But if you are basically sending power on off, on off, on off, on off, that's what you're it. feeling as torque ripple because the motor is needs to be a constant smooth thing. So at speed, it's like, okay, because this little movement isn't going to make a difference. But if you're just sending power, basically power off, power off, power off at very low speed and under high load, you'll feel it kind of do that thing. So it's like a faucet dripping versus a faucet having a very, very small stream. Like you can't, you can Correct. only control it so uh, minutely. Oh, interesting. Okay. There's no way to send a constant power stream to an electric motor. The inverters are just going on off. So there's no, it's wow. not just like, oh, we're constantly feeding the energy. It's, it's, it's honestly switching. That's what an inverter does. Uh, right. And that's why you lead to torque ripple and, uh, you know, gear train mesh over time, you know, things will start to get worse. But back to the EQS, like insanely good motor calibration, insanely good, um, route planning, battery preconditioning, plug-in charge. They got the three things every EV needs for a road trip. Um, God, is it freaking ugly, and it just doesn't <laughs> drive right. It, it drives really well. The brake pedal is bad. Brakes suck. It's the worst brake pedal of any new car on the market. <laughs> did, it, um, did you find that it porpoised on the highway? I remember seeing, I think Camisa had a post on Instagram of just like the oh, damping where it kind of like, you know, it, it for people that don't know, like you go over a bump on a highway and normally you, what you want is the car to like go down the bump and then settle immediately. But sometimes it, that. Has that shock, <laughs> it, kind of, it, it goes up and down a few times. Like it just went across a wake. It's like you're, it's like an old uh, Lincoln town car. You know, you're just kind of rocking down the road. It, I actually think it's kind of fun. I don't mind the highway ride. What I don't like is driving it aggressively. It falls yeah. apart up in our canyons at least. Cause I'm like no steering feel the brake pedals, like in the floorboards coming into the brakes, we set the brakes on fire. Like it just had no performance cred, but I do have to qualify this with our car. Both of the cars we tested were on snow tires and not on summer tires and snow tires and performance don't go hand in hand. So it's really hard to get an accurate representation. The car goes really far in the charge. I run every EV. The most boring day at work is when I have to do range testing, which I don't know why people watch these videos, but they suck to make. And so I do a 70 mile an hour loop style test and it did 347 miles, something like that at 70 wow. on the highway. So the longest EV I've ever tested, uh, driven the air, but never range tested the lucid air, never want to. That will really suck. <laughs> yeah, can't handle it. Um, a friend but, of mine range tested the Lucid Air, though, in the same testing procedure that we do. We've matched them up, and he got 500 miles at 70 miles an hour. Wow. Crazy. That is amazing. Yeah. That is a great, I, I like that car a lot. That was yeah. very impressive. Me thing. too. I, I'm, I'm a Lucid Air. I'm into it. I hear the software is a little buggy um, on some of the stuff. We have, I have a friend that owns one. And Lucid said, like, we need to wait for a couple software updates for them to get us a car. And I'm like, well, they're on sale. Like, let's go. And so, I don't know. We're just going to borrow our friend's car. You know, it's funny. Like, uh, the over-the-air the over update is, like, a great system for, I think, all cars. And it's 
when a new car company has that, it's like, oh, they had a problem. But I think back to like when the new C8 Corvette came out and the trunk, the front was open yep. and they tried to do an OTA update to fix that. And then it didn't. It was a hardware issue. Right. But like, it's like, just remember, everybody, that even V8 sports cars from companies that have been around for thousands of years, <laughs> like they also have problems. Yeah. And so the big thing for me is like everything's going to have problems at launch. We've been spending a lot of time with Rivians, for example, mm. uh, put about 5,000 miles on them now. And, you know, yeah, glitches, problems. We don't know how the company's going to respond to fix them, right? Sure. We don't know how Lucid is going to handle anything. I'm not sure if they've even sent it over the air update to their cars yet. And so at least with Tesla, I mean, I've owned them forever, mostly because we can't get cars to review. So we have, we have such a big EV audience. We have them. Uh, it gets updates all the time. Some things get better. Some things get way worse. And, um, you know, lately it's just been going downhill worse, but at least I know, like if there's a glitch, it's always fixed in the next update, maybe a new one pops up, but it's always fixed. Yeah. It's cool with Rivian because, you know, we mentioned things in our videos of like, Hey, this could be better. And then Rivian puts out an update fixing the thing. Like in the exact order we spoke about everything, <laughs> they fixed it all, which is pretty amazing. So what did you not like? I, I drove it for a week. Um, yeah. There were things I liked and didn't like, but I'm just curious, like what were the things that you really noticed that then they updated? Uh, yeah. So, so mostly not things we didn't like, but things we found that could be improved. So a lot of it centered around charging. And so CCS, the, you know, what EA uses at their plugs pretty much is limited to 500 amps. You can't do any more. That's what the standard max is out at. The Rivian was only requesting 450 amps and they had claimed that the truck can charge at 210 kilowatts. Well, we were only getting 197 on a you know two, a 500 amp capable charger, which means the truck was actually only requesting 450 amps. And it had a lot of weird thermal issues. It wouldn't precondition the battery pack on the way to a charger, uh, even though the car knows you're going to one. And so basically mm -hmm. we were like, we need better route planning. You need to get the battery at the right temperature when you arrive to the station and you need to give it max juice. Like this thing's capable of taking a lot more power. And so that's exactly what um, they fixed. So now we, we have one here in the parking lot. We just updated it. I'm going to go right after this podcast and charge it and see what it'll do. Uh, so that'll be cool. interesting. The next was uh, under loose surface, so deep snow and mud, because we really put this truck everywhere we could. Um, two things would happen. One, we could not get enough wheel spin. So we would just basically bog down and I'm like welded to the floor and I'm like, look, spin up, like we're about to get stuck. Um, wow. So that was bad. And that's with ESP fully off, everything turned, turned down. In snow mode or drift mode? Like what mode were you in at the time? Tried them all because there's no okay. mud mode and there's no snow mode. And so we were, that's what it needed. And so basically um, so they didn't the, the Range Rover had a grass mode, which I was like, what does this even mean? So <laughs> yeah, Range Rover got real specific. Rivian needs to get a little more specific. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. What would you do? Just drive down your lawn in your Range Rover? <laughs> I mean, we, we literally drove up and down like vineyard hills that were grassy but even so i was like can't a sand or a dirt like because uh, ultimately they're measuring wheel speed yes you know, slip torque i just thought like and you know what some engineer out there might be screaming going no 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 there is this is more the grass is slipperier than this we did need this it's a little bit more fine-tuned but i thought it was like it was just so on brand because like <laughs> i said this is for you driving down your estate lawn right know, to your vineyard they yep. should have taken it further and done like, okay, we got Bermuda grass. We got Kentucky blue grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you play 18 holes and then. <laughs> yep and, and so basically that was not so much of an issue what was the issue with the rivian was on steep descents like i'm coming down trails in snow um I, i'm sure you've experienced this you know when you drive like an ev hard and you're loaded up and you like hit a bump under regen and it kind of free rolls for a second because it's trying not to lock the wheels because uh, the motor's slowing so hard it would basically lock them when you're going uh, downhill or when you drive when you're driving hard and you get slick no, uh, downhill. So under regen, it's basically like traction control, but for the motor trying to charge the battery. It's ABS simulated by the electric motor. Yeah, we had that a little bit when we took ours off-roading. Um, yeah. Probably less than in the snow because we were on a fairly rocky surface that had a lot of grip. Yeah, good in rocks. It's good in rocks. But in the snow, it would basically, you know, pulsate the motor. It would, you know, slow down, let up, slow down, let up. And when as soon as you hit seven miles an hour, it would just go full lock. And then you you lose all steering and, you know, you're on a hill. So you lock up and I'm like, whoop, going down. So you actually have to apply throttle to unlock the wheels and then regain steering. And, you know, like I've driven enough EVs where I'm pretty comfortable. Like I knew what was going on, no problem on the throttle. But I'm thinking like my mom leaving a cabin in Vermont in her R1S, like that's, that's dangerous. That's a very real problem. That's a yep. very, so like I think my, they, eyes, my eyes are quite wide right now. So, <laughs> yep. so they fixed that in the new update apparently. So we're going to try and hopefully we get some snow. I don't know, but our friend owns this truck up the street, which is great. So um, yeah, I mean, it was nice of Rivian to send us a truck out here for a week, but now that we have so many viewers that own these things, we kind of don't even need them. We just borrow them from people in town that watch our stuff. That's awesome. I mean, I think the truck was executed really, really well from a fit and finish really standpoint, yes. cleverness, features i mean i de- they definitely need to refine some of these driving modes and these parameters um and and you brought up a, great, a really interesting point like the next question is for all these startups is how do they handle problems because like it's one thing to to build the car and put th- send things in one direction but then when you have issues and they come in the other direction as we've seen from tesla like is the wait going to be months for for body panels or how are the repairs going to be and how's the qc going to be um and that is where you know, I think we'll just have a you lot of don't know. Yeah, you, you just yeah. don't know. Because what I think is happening right now is very similar with Rivian and Tesla back in the early days, which is very few cars on the road, a huge focus on trying not to get negative publicity about experiences of the truck out there. And so like we have, you know, probably 100, 120 viewers that are in regular contact with us that own the trucks now just because we produced enough. So, you know, we we get messages from them. Hey, I had this issue. Um, like Jordan, our friend Ryan owns one. He had uh, some weird issue and, you know, put in a request in the app for the Rivian. And then literally the guy who engineered that component called him and was like, here's how you fix it. That's not sustainable going into the future. That's like a very (laughs) early days. Like, you know, right now it's amazing. And then I think we're going to see them get overwhelmed. I think we'll see Lucid get overwhelmed and it'll be the Tesla problem until they can work themselves out of it. I mean, I don't know of any other way other than having negative service experience when you're ramping production so hard and you have no physical locations. It's good that they have a ramp because if, if they were just coming out of the gate blazing, like, all right, we're producing 50,000 trucks a year, that would be bad because they're they're doing so few trucks right now that they're able to work these problems out and work closely with the people, which means positive customer reviews and positive customer image. And they just, they have a, yeah, they have a handle on it. 
And it's good that they're, it's like it's almost like everyone's receiving beta units right now, even though they're mm. really solid. I mean, I think I'm so impressed with this being a first gen product. And I thought it was, you know, incredibly refined for what it is. I was like, wow, this is like a Volvo interior. And then we, we made the yeah. mistake of having the Tycon at the same time. So then I get in the Tycon. I was like, oh, this is nice. And then the Rivian's <laughs> still nice. Rivian's but... incredible. <laughs> Um, I think. Me, I mean, I think they're both really nice. I think they have totally different intents. I mean, the interior of the Rivian is like, you know, are you wealthy and you like wearing Patagonia and doing Patagonia stuff? Like, yeah. and they you, did, and you live in Colorado, yeah. then get away. Yeah, hundred percent with the wood. And there's like the carabiner thing and the bright orange. Like, I thought. I thought it, like you said, it looked a lot like Volvo, and that's a good thing. And then Tycon, that interior has to work for an eighty thousand dollar car and a one hundred ninety thousand dollar car. So it's going to look, it's going to just look that way. And, it, and it's also executed really well, but it's a hundred percent a Porsche. Yeah. So for yep. me, it was like Rivian and Taycan two car solution. Um, yes. That's what I, <laughs> that'd it's be like. If the power goes out, then you might need a third car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll keep, keep the Miata around for that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see what comes next. There, there are so many companies and, you know, being in the EV centered stage where our coverage, it's like, we were overwhelmed with companies like Mullen and um, Faraday future Edison future. Like who's actually <laughs> going to come to market fully? all the BS stuff that try to get us to make videos. Kyle, Kyle That's a hates. great way to break that Jordan is which of these are going to come to market, especially when you just mentioned Faraday future, because yeah. they've been trying to come to market for nine years. I mean, it's been a long, I mean, it's Ridiculous. been a very long time. So. Yeah. It's funny. Our audience knows us as, like we have a huge focus on EVs and the the assumption is we get super excited about every single person who's like, hey, we have one concept and it's going to be amazing when it comes out. But the opposite is true. I still, you know, I am a like automotive design enthusiast. I'd love critiquing the design. Kyle, all he wants to know is can it drift? Can it go around the corner properly? How's the suspension dynamics? How's the motor torque control? Um, and so when we're walking around like LA Auto Show, and we're just, there's so many um, one-off concept type things. And Kyle's like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's like a spack that you can touch at this point. Like, <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the new hot money and it, and it always has to find a target. Um, and right yeah, It's now like, it's what's stopping us from going out and saying, we're going to make an EV, the three of us. It's going to go a million miles on a charge. It's going to cost 30 grand. Please, we go public next week, buy our stock. <laughs> you know, great question. I don't think there's anything stopping us from doing that, but Nikola is going to be proof of what happens when you actually do that because that's what they kind of did. And yep. I'm really fascinated to see how that whole thing plays out because, I mean, they were literally selling bullshit. Dude, I, I was okay. So our front desk guy at our office downstairs, Jordan, I didn't even tell you this. I was talking to him and he was just like curious what we do. He's like, we always see random cars. Like, what are you guys up to? And I was like, oh, we review cars. And he said, well, my brother is an engineer for Nikola. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And so, which I was like, probably not the best response. But he said, like, the entire company's bullshit, even from what his brother was saying. Yeah. Yep. It it all seemed like a good idea until all the truth started coming out, and then and walk through the totally empty factory and all these other things, and um, yeah, that's a every everything seems like a good idea. I mean, I've been following you know Elio for what thirteen years now. 
<laughs> will they ever deliver the car? That's we get this question like once a year on the podcast, and uh, it's an interesting question. Like, what are they trying to do, if anything? I don't know. What What do you guys think? <laughs> it's, it's it's the classic, you know, for for the longest time because they started after the you know the big market crash in 08 and they were trying trying to solve a problem really good intentions couldn't make it happen and the whole thing was like 84 miles to gallon awesome yeah you can't fault their intentions right right and they, now, they're trying. they just don't know how to do it or can't yeah. get there and they've taken so many reservations and now they've come almost like a bait and switch and saying oh so we're actually doubling the price of your the car you reserved but it's electric now but then we don't have any details on what that means. So <laughs> no specs or anything. And yeah, maybe it'll go a million miles on a chart. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The, the whole pit taking deposits for years and years and years and years and years and years. Don't reserve and, vehicles. That's yeah, what I yeah, keep saying. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't be, don't be early. I mean, there are people out there that have so much money that they don't care if they go, Oh yeah, here's 10 grand. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, who cares? People, early investors or early buyers of Tesla did the same thing. Prices changed, things got delayed, um, but Helio's been saying they're going to do it for a really long time at this point. Yeah, so Paul, you had uh, so you had a week with the Rivian. What did you do with it? Um, we did so we did two videos. We did a Canyon review, kind of a street drive. You know, we drive quickly and just explore um, steering, fill, suspension setup. Monster on the Canyons, isn't it? For a yeah. truck, it's insane. For a truck, what? the f i <laughs> dude I really, it's mind-bending oh, i'm sorry I, uh, oh, I i have to jump off in 10 minutes but um i was shocked at the steering feel is really impressive and the accuracy of it the ratio the off-center steering um all of that is really impressive for any car i mean if you had that steering in a modern sports car you'd be happy with it yep and that's huge huge um photo confidence and then it just felt agile. I mean, the thing weighs, what is it, 8,000 pounds? I don't actually know. Like, I think it's a little less than that. But 7,100, yeah. 7,100. Yeah. I mean, it is heavy, yeah. but we drove the same Canyon Road that we had filmed the BMW M uh, 240X drive on. Ooh, and I've, I thought they felt comparable in their pace and their agility. And yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Um, no, so I the Rivian really, is really, really impressive on the road. I mean, of course, it's fast in a straight line, um, but just the steering really impressed me. What was weird, though, in, in this, this problem, I think we're going to have more with the electric cars because the torque is so instant. So if you had, if you start hitting mid-corner bumps, you get this weird porpoise effect because your the foot you have on the oh, throttle whoa, 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 whoa. Is, yeah, it's like literally bouncing with the truck. And then because there's so much torque, you are now pressing the gas a little bit and then letting go a little bit. And yep. now you're, you're going fore and aft and up and down. I don't um, think it's yeah. an EV issue. I think it's a Rivian issue. And I think it's the way that you sit upright and you're pressing on the accelerator pedal from above versus in a Taycan where your feet are kind of sh not necessarily straight out, but it's very 911-like where you have your, your bottom of your foot and then you can progressively add in. I had the same thing in the Rivian too, but I've never experienced it in other EVs. I've the only time I remember experiencing it experiencing it distinctly is uh, Jaguar F type, I think. Mm, um, with that V eight that was super responsive. When you put it in sport mode, it was just the, the throttle pedal was way too responsive. So I think it's really like it could be a programming thing they could fix with Rivian. But you make a great point. If you're pushing down, it will be uh, amplified because you are moving up and down, then your foot's moving up and down. So 
that that's true. That was the only thing that was a little bit weird in the canyons. And then we did our off-road loop we do, which is a uh, I don't I don't even know if we would call it medium difficulty like trail. I mean, it, it requires some low range and it requires some articulation and, and some care. Like that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a dirt road, and you know, torque from zero. Um, it managed traction really, really well. Our our truck had the big wheels with the you know performance mm -hmm. tires, but because the trail is fairly rocky, grip wasn't really an issue. We just didn't have a lot of compliance in the sidewall, so luckily we didn't pop anything. But you know, I, I think electric off roading is so rad because you are being quiet and you're outdoors, like you're in the great outdoors. And I, I just I grew up doing backpacking and river rafting and those things, and like. You want to get out in nature or I want to get out in nature and then hear nature like Baja running is different. Like, yeah, sure. 800 horsepower trophy truck. Like that's a different experience. But if I'm yes. doing like slow rock crawling, I can, you're going slow enough to hear birds, deer, whatever, and like be in the great outdoors. So I think it's cool that you could do that and not have to listen to, you know, your Jeep V6 or whatever engine is kind of like moaning its way up the hill. Yeah. It was the first electric off-road experience I've had. Jordan took the 4xe off-roading, but it has such loud power steering that you the 4xe was hilarious off-road. And the first time I was in off-roading was, I guess, a year ago in the Lightning. That was my first true electric off-roading experience, and I was sold because of that, Zach. Like, we stopped on the like the crest of this hill, and it was just birds. And I was like, "This is wild." And even on the 4xe, even though the annoying steering noises um i was on like a, a single trail that's like sometimes kind of cliffs on the side and there's really no offshoots on a lot of it mm -hmm. but i could hear everyone else's straight pipe v8s coming from two miles away so they'd they'd come up to me and i had already pulled off and they were like how'd you know i was coming and i'm like <laughs> i can cool. hear you yeah i can hear you <laughs> that's amazing yeah, yeah i was impressed with the rivian i had done a little eqs suv off-road drive like just a couple weeks prior uh, at the Alabama factory. And that was like my first taste of it. And then, um, yeah, then got the Rivian, took it to Moab and was like literally legit wheeling the thing. And it was incredible. I'm not sold on four motors versus two with locking diffs. Cause you have to have wheel spin for it to virtually lock to the other side. Um, but just like it for a first, literally brand new product, early software, it did everything I threw at it in 4,000 miles of abuse and didn't, didn't even flinch. It was awesome. I mean, for a first product and it's a, it's a, we're talking about a car. We're not talking about a coffee cup first product. Like <laughs> this is one of the more complicated pieces of machinery that a, that a normal consumer can purchase period in the world. And for it to do so many things well is so impressive. Really, yeah. really impressive. Yeah. Yep. So we ordered one, we fell in love with it and we're like, yep, we'll take one of those. And so who knows how long we'll have to wait, but can't wait to get it because I've just fallen in love with it. Yeah. Uh, and then the, I'm excited about the SUV cause I think they said it's going to be two feet shorter. The Rivian's a little long. Yes. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what you want to do. But, um, I think that SUV looks really good. And the fact that it's a little bit shorter, make it more maneuverable and parkable in town. So that's yeah, cool. better for dogs, the whole bit. So that's the new Range Rover. We'll be seeing those rolling around for sure. Yeah. The, the EV luxury market is heating up. And I see what happens with Tesla with that, because now there's actual competition showing up. Oh, the, there are so many better cars on the market. The big thing with Tesla is you're buying into the network too. Right. And so we just did a race to Vegas where we raced five electric cars at five over the speed limit from here to Las Vegas, uh, two Tesla, three CCS cars. 
and the Tesla came in third. So the, everyone's myth that you need a supercharger network to go places is like, uh, nope, you don't. You can just wow. literally buy a Taycan or for half the price, an Ionic 5 and smoke a Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. As long as, you know, I've, I've just had those problems where the charging stations have been inconsistent yeah. with EA and stuff, but those are solvable problems because most of my, pro my issues have been with the UI and the connectivity and the card readers. Yep. It hasn't been the, like the power unit itself is not turned on. So it's I think it processing. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, that's seems like a simpler fix. So once they get yeah. that, like, you're right. I mean, Tesla is used losing its, uh, it's aces in the hole, basically. Yeah. Um, well, I have to jump off soon, guys. I have a call yep. at, in five yep. minutes. No yeah. problem. Thanks so much for coming on, Zach. Really appreciate it. And uh, That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess to everyone else, you know, follow Zach on Twitter, Zach Clapman. I think I got that right. Let me know. If I That's correct. Twitter, yeah. Twitter's just at Zach Clapman. And then nice. Instagram is the real Zach Clapman. And yeah, thanks, guys. This is great. Like, you guys put yeah. out really interesting content and you cover a lot of subject matter that I don't. And don't have like the time to pour all my energy into the EV space and, and electric space. But like, I really like how you guys have focused on that, whether it was intentional or because that's what the market led you, but you, do a, you do a really good job. So I, I learned a lot from you guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, next weekend we're doing BZ4X versus Mirai LA to San Francisco and back. If you want to join. <laughs> I, I drove a Mirai last year and maybe the BZ4X will have a different name soon. That'd be great. God. <laughs> What is Toyota thinking over there? Anyway, yeah. thanks for watching. Awesome. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.